All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 19 of the Luke Paul Show, guest starring Nico Hackett. Hello, everybody. How you guys doing? Sir, Thanks how so are much. you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I, we talked a little bit before the show. I, I'm just so excited to finally be on here. It's, I can't wait. I yeah, can't man. Wait. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I really do. We had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, for whatever the case may be, I haven't really charged my phone. Uh, so we're currently using Nico's. Uh, we'll switch to mine whenever or, you know, if we need to. But, um, yeah, Nico, could you just tell everybody, like, who you are, um, you know, what you're studying, stuff like that? Absolutely. So uh, I'm Nico Hankin. I'm born and raised in uh, Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, currently, I'm actually out in uh, DePaul in Chicago for uh, studying film, and it's been a uh, it's been a great opportunity so far. Luke and I go way back to, you know, the good old uh, Ursuline days. You were, what, two grades ahead of me, right? Two now? grades ahead, yeah. Yes, sir. I remember um, – uh, everybody that saw you in the halls, like you, everybody's like, Hey, and he goes, going, you say living the dream. You all, you always had such a, like a positive attitude that really uplifted a lot of people. I, I feel like I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. I actually stole the living the dream thing. I stole it from Pat McLaughlin. He said really? it one day and I just sort of took it and ran with it. So shout out to Pat. Absolutely. He's a good dude. I haven't heard from him in a minute. But. Yeah. He, but right now he's in Ireland. Is he really? Yeah. Good? I think I'm not sure. It's he said it like it was vacation, but I think it might have been an internship. For him, he was kind of vague about it. Um, which yeah. So I, if Pat, if you're watching, listening, uh, shout out to you, man. I hope everything's going well. For sure, for sure. But yeah, so you said you're going to DePaul uh, to study film. Yes, sir. What is something in terms of like the future? What are your Mm -hmm. goals? Well, I'll tell you the truth, the all-time, like, the end-all-be-all dream would be to direct movies. That would be, mm-hmm. like, you know, absolutely incredible in the long run. If that doesn't work out, you know, I've, I'd love to do stand-up, too. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, I'm just sort of – I'm just going through the motions, man, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of going to slowly work my way up the ranks. And I feel like, you know, I never really had too much opportunity out here in terms mm-hmm. of, like, film opportunities and things like that. So I feel like the polish is just such a great place to sort of get my foot in the door and, you know, yeah. work on set, do all, like, the different jobs just to get a full sort of picture of what's going on, <laughs> mm-hmm. how, the, how it's set operate and everything so it's been great so far that's and, awesome you know, man. Getting, uh, uh, excuse me you could uh, see how that you know all works out and everything mm-hmm. so yeah because i feel like especially here there's opportunity but in terms of like creating stuff mm-hmm. um there's not that much of an opportunity for like content we'll just put it broad like very the, difficult yeah, yeah you you can find like jobs manual mm-hmm. labor jobs pretty much everything but like entertainment there's not a lot of entertainment out here yet if it ever comes to that so sure. it is essential to get out into these places like chicago new york la for example absolutely because um, there's, there's more eyes on you more, more people are looking for that mm-hmm. so i want to talk about briefly uh your stand-up career yes sir. I, I saw a snippet about a week and a half two weeks ago a <laughs> uh, 30 second snippet of you doing stand-up and you said that was the first time you've ever so it technically was the first time. So I'll start back at the beginning, how I even got like the opportunity to go up on stage and everything mm-hmm. like that. So uh, let's see, it was the end of winter quarter. We had to, you know, choose class for the upcoming year. And I got right. an email in my inbox saying, you know, there's a stand-up comedy class, uh, you know, the, the, uh, it's screenwriting credit. So mm-hmm. if anybody's interested, you know, feel free to check it out. So I looked into it. It's taught by a guy named Kevin Bozeman. He's actually, he's a professional comic. He's been doing the Chicago circuit for years. He travels all around the country. Mm-hmm great guy and i was just like oh my gosh i'm all in because mm-hmm. i mean it was pretty much like learning the fundamentals of stand-up and then performing it mm-hmm. and so i thought that was right up my alley it's always something i kind of wanted to do mm-hmm. so i ended up going with it and uh it's been it was an absolutely incredible experience so it was like 10 weeks long and every single class i was scared shitless because we'd have to like go up there every single class perform like two three minutes of like on different topics and yeah. stuff like that but i'll tell you what i've always sort of been like like a little bit self-conscious like mm-hmm. when I public speak. I feel like everybody is mm-hmm. to an extent. So it was like kind of nice just to, you know, 
sort of like he he's sort of taught us like in a sense rewire kind of the way we, the way we think about it and just sort of mm-hmm. like get up there talk about like focus on how you uh or how should i say it? like focus on like living in the moment and just truly like talking in the moment like interacting with your audience mm-hmm. as opposed to just sort of like firing through your lines yeah. or whatever so i think that's sort of like looking at it from that perspective kind of helped out a bit yeah. and uh, it, it was an incredible experience and it was also invigorating too because you could get up there you could say whatever you wanted swear words whatever you yeah. could talk about just the most controversial stuff it didn't matter just mm-hmm. as long as you got it out there i thought just sort of like from a creative perspective that mm-hmm. was so invigorating so yeah invigorating. bro it's one of the most terrifying things when you're on that stage. 100%. You don't know if an audience is going to react positively or negatively. Uh, me personally, I'd rather be booed than get nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Because if you haven't, it's that awkward silence. It's like, shit, where am I going to go from here? 100%. 100%. Yeah. By the way, everybody subscribe to the channel right now if you haven't already. Give the give the video a like. Please uh, do. He got me comment. Nice Give me a negative comment. Give me a positive comment. Also, it doesn't really matter. Uh, sponsored by Manscaped. Real quick, if your balls need help, right? <laughs> if the ingrown hairs have nowhere else to go, just buy Manscaped. Mm-hmm. I just purchased the 4.0. It's good Yeah, stuff. literally. It's, it's great. We have a cu- two customers. Absolutely. Back. Absolutely. Also sponsored by Crown. I'm not <laughs> drinking Crown today. Um, I'm just trying to fake it till I make it, fellas. There's really no other thing than that. Anyway, getting back to it, though. Like we were talking about, like stand up is one of the most terrifying things if you're trying to just create stuff. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you, for everything else, whether that's like a movie, uh, songwriting, you're just writing a poem, for example, like you're yeah. doing that all by yourself. But when it comes to stand up, you're perfecting it in front of other people. You're testing like what'll work and what won't work. Exactly, exactly. And so, and so that was kind of yeah. interesting to figure out, sort of like the the line of like where you could cross or how far up the line you could cross in terms of like talking about like you know. I guess more so controversial subject. Yeah. Not that I did too much or anything like that, mm-hmm. but in terms of like, you know, seeing how far you could go in order to get your point across. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. But um, actually, so the first time I um ever did stand up, it wasn't the time that I filmed and posted online. We, um so for one of the assignments, he wanted us to go to an open mic, okay? Mm-hmm. And just sort of test the waters out. They have a million open mics in Chicago. You mm-hmm. can go pretty much any day of the week. And so I was like, okay, you know, I think I have a pretty good set. Let me, uh, let me give it a shot. And we had to do a five minute set for the final and everything. And with that being said, it was like the very early stages of what my set ultimately became. And so the first bit I had, the first joke I opened with, you know, Frank Belcalli, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I talk about, you know, the fact that even though we're completely straight, there's a lot of gay undertones in our relationship, <laughs> as it is with many, you know, guy <laughs> friendships, you know what I mean? That's funny. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought it was, I was a brill- I thought it was like a really funny bit the way that I worded. It. At least I think it was. Yeah. Funny. I don't know if anybody else did, but um, and I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to go. So I get up on stage and I don't realize until I'm up there it's a gay bar that. I'm oh. Gay bar. Yeah. Yeah. So that was something. That was something. There was the flag up, and I was just like, maybe I could win them over. I was dead wrong. Five minutes of complete silence. Complete silence. And so I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, Frankie and I, we, we see each other's dicks, you know, not that we're gay or anything. And it was just like, just complete oh silence. God. I just, it was, and the thing is, is that I didn't, my, I wasn't trying you to, know. you know, go about, you know, like, you know, putting anybody down. I never wanted yeah, to do anything yeah, yeah. like that. But it was mainly just making fun of yeah. us, you know what I mean? And so that was definitely probably not the best crowd to start it off not with. The environment. You know, not, not the environment, no. And then I went to my other bits and everything and just everything completely bombed. It was complete silence, yeah. complete silence. So that was something I actually have the video of that if you want to oh. see it, it's like 
and I'm just sort of standing up there like, ah, you know, I'm just starting to like get a little nervous and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, there's nothing really to grab onto. 100%. 100%. Have the mic, then you have like nervous twitches that some people could have. Like you said, habits. Mm-hmm. Start scratching your neck, for example. Um, start stuttering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, start, you know whatever mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah you go back to those natural habits because it's it's scary for sure for sure but you know it, it got to the point where i was just like okay you know what i'm not i can't win them over but i'm just yeah. gonna try to you know finish out my set so it worked out pretty good for the most part and everything and everybody was super nice afterwards mm-hmm. so i just think it was uh probably not the best joke to open yeah. up with in terms of that but um but it's all right you know as you progress and stuff you learn your environments for sure man for sure and you know by the time you know the uh, actual final rolled around which that zany's comedy club it's mm-hmm. a pretty from my understanding, a pretty prominent uh, comedy club in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That was where, you know, we uh, both classes got to, you know, perform and everything. And I think it worked really well there because Frankie and uh, Aiden Murphy, they actually came to town to help me move out. I saw that. So they were in the crowd. And I just think the fact that, like, I talked to him in the audience, it helped. It, it helped. And, like, if he wasn't there, I think the joke wouldn't have been as, like, it wouldn't have worked as well as it did. Really? In that final environment. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. it worked really well because we were just sort of feeding off the awkwardness of the mm-hmm. situation, you know. And, um, you know, I was really fortunate that it worked out because I was like, that was the one I was so nervous about not yeah. working. So Damn. it worked out pretty good. And then I told a joke about my grandma dying and uh, I, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, that was uh, but it was an incredible experience. And everybody I met yeah. in, the, in the class, like we were all like I, I was like the only freshman in the class. Yeah. And so it was like kind of awkward because I really didn't know anybody. And DePaul's a relatively small school mm-hmm. and everything. But by the, the, the time that, you know, it was ended, it was over or whatever. I mean, we were all really close and everything. So really? it was just great to, you know, get to know everybody. There were people from like grad students all the way down to like oh, wow. freshmen like me. I mean, it was great. It was Wow. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, So in terms of like your comedy career, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that, uh, where do you see it going? Tell you the truth, it's honestly something like the, I've always like been interested in comedy. Yeah. Um, it's kind of something I've always wanted to pursue on the side. Film is probably like the number one thing I want to mm-hmm. do. But I mean, I I I love comedy so much. Yeah. It's great, and you know, if I get the opportunity, you know, to get out like more open mics and you mm-hmm. know get to go to more clubs and perform, I mean, that, I, I'd love to do that. But I don't necessarily have any mm-hmm. too many big plans to you know pursue that as a yeah. career full time or anything. I'd love to do stuff on the yeah. side, but film is probably. Dude, that's that's awesome. Dude, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I was actually inspired by you to tell you the truth. Like, are you serious? No, I'm no, I'm being dead serious. Like, you started the show, and then mm-hmm. I saw you doing like stand up and stuff like that. I was just like, oh my god, I got to do this with this guy one of these days. I mean, it's seriously. So, I mean, the fact that you know you did it, you that's and I saw the picture of you with like the Youngstown Comedy Club sign or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where was it? You it, said it was uh, the Youngstown Shriners Club. Shriners Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the fact that um you did that, I did that just really inspired me. I was like, okay, well if he could do it, I could do it. You know, so. I appreciate that. No that, that means a lot, man. No, and you're like such an outgoing dude and whatever. So, I mean, it was just so, it was so cool to see, you know, you get on stage and everything for sure. I appreciate it. You know, you killed it. Oh, I will dude, say, I appreciate that. I did not kill it <laughs> when I did it. Um, but I just want to keep doing it, get better. You don't, there's not like a lot of places around here that you could do it. In. I'm not trying to make excuses or whatever. Um, but you know, for me to like consistently do it, I have to go like Pittsburgh and Cleveland, which I will do. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But it's yeah, I, th- I thought for your first time and like officially your first time, you killed it, man. You got a lot of laughs. That means a lot, man. Yeah. I, I thought I was gonna get none, judging by how the open mic went and everything. Yeah. So it was. Uh, I I was just. I got. I was very forced. It also helped out too because uh, a lot of my relatives were in the crowd. So mm. I mean, I was just like, please, just fake laugh if it doesn't work out. But uh, for the most part, they were just like, nah, you know, we, we, we did a good job. So I was just like, oh, okay, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. So, huh? You always hear comics like 
I hear Joe Rogan specifically talk about this. Mm-hmm. Well, com- comics, like starting out, they'll have a friend yeah. or somebody that they pay off to go in the crowd if it's like an open mic where if people don't really know them mm-hmm. and just purposely laugh because laughter is infectious. Yeah. Even if the joke sucks, even if the bit in the set is awful, mm-hmm. they just have somebody out there just like laughing hysterically mm-hmm. and hoping that it'll catch on. Apparently, sometimes <laughs> it happens, sometimes it doesn't work out, which. I don't know. I've never been in that situation before, but I feel like that would kind of help. And like you said uh, earlier, if you have somebody that you can just like focus on, something like you're really close with a friend, a family member, whatever, mm-hmm. that kind of like helps you, makes you feel like you're not alone. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I don't know about you the first time you did, but like the nerves beforehand are unreal. And yeah. like when I got up there, I, I, I pointed out Frank in the crowd and I was just like, okay. Now we're in this together, you know. Yeah. What I mean, it kind of helped me sort of like level, like level with the audience mm-hmm. a little bit. And so I think that helps. If you could like point one person out in the crowd, you know, especially like starting out, it, yeah. it makes you feel like you're not alone up there. Yeah, dude. Yeah. The nerves were awful for sure. So how did you even get that gig? That's what I want to ask you. So like, I have my friend. His name's Ivan, mm-hmm. um, and he makes music. His stage name is Big Hot. Uh, he's kind of into like an alternative punk rock type of thing. No way. It's actually, I actually really like it. Um, Send me his stuff. I'd love to. Oh, for sure. It's like, it's kind of like Machine Gun Kelly right now. Uh, but there, in terms of that, there's not anybody other than Machine Gun Kelly that's kind of like, um, kind of reminds me of like those not old songs but like from 2000 to 2010 like that era that mm-hmm. last era of like rock slash like pop kind of combined um you don't really get that anymore no not at all it's not like all. um like songs that you would hear like bowling alleys like mm-hmm. those that's a, like you see the music videos and stuff like that those are like some of the best songs from like that rock era if you could even call it that 100%. that they just don't get played a lot anymore so i feel like that's kind of something that he does. He used to rap, but now he's more into that like alternative rock, punk rock type of thing. It's pretty sweet. I don't even know what the genre that you would call it, but like anyway, pop punk kind of thing. Yeah, so, like like what eighty two and yeah, yeah. Like okay, you could say that, I guess. But anyway, so I had him on, and um, you know, I've been friends with him forever. We did Cub Scouts together, and mm-hmm. he was telling me about this concert that he wanted to put together for local artists. And the goal wasn't even to be profitable. It was just to get everybody as much exposure as possible. And I mentioned him that I would love to do it. Mm-hmm. So a couple weeks later, uh, he approached me. And he said, what do you think? And I said, oh, shit, let's do it. Yeah, man. I was uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, I had a lot of nerves. And it's like this thing, okay, the weeks are counting down. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, we have six days. Holy shit, it's tonight. It's like like that. So it's about, and I had bits and stuff prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I changed them from time to time. I didn't want to be like too controversial with it, if that makes sense. But right, right. enough where like people would laugh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that whole day was pretty nerve wracking. What I ended up doing was had a dinner with my family. It was a birthday party for, I believe it was my cousin. Okay. At a... I don't know where it was like a, a it was like a suka. So and that whole dinner, I would left early and that whole dinner I was like there for 45 minutes and I couldn't focus. I was like zoned out. I was like in another dimension. I was I was just I couldn't match everybody else's energy because mm-hmm. I was nerve wracked. All right. It was nerve wracking. Yeah. So I did what anybody else would do, and I said, you know what? Let's channel this nervous energy, and I got like three bangs, and I just – I didn't chug them, but I drank them all. Yeah. And by the time it was time for me to go up because I opened for um, the whole uh, event, I didn't feel a thing. I was like numb to – like you'd think that would like heighten everything, but I just felt 
mellow. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did, whatever, I got a couple of laughs, went into the second thing. Okay, so so. Mind you, this was in this was in a banquet hall and everybody was kind of like standing up. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they were like a little bit further from the stage um, than I would have liked, which is fine. Right. Um, and then I was doing this bit in, in my head. Okay, comedy is subjective, right? right There's right. no clear path that you can follow. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing was, okay, so girls often get away. They get away with uh, posting like, pictures of like their ass for example on instagram okay. and like you don't even see their face if that makes sense right I get that, one yeah. of those things which okay i'm not judging anybody for that just making it clear um and they get a lot of attention right they get a lot of likes people um often flock to their pages follow mm-hmm. them whatever it's a good attention getter once again not bashing anybody today <laughs> but i said Men, as men, what do we have? We don't have any body part like that. We don't have any attention getter uh, for social media. Abs, maybe? maybe? Maybe. But we don't have a part that's just like, not like the ass where it's about to get like a like. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. I mean, guys don't go walking around in thongs. Some do. Some do. Some are homeless, too. It just depends. It depends. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was like, okay, let me just think about this. Okay, here we go. As I'm writing it in the – as I, I – Gosh, it might have been 2 a.m. Uh, two nights before. It was relatively uh, soon when I did all this. But I was like, okay, if I just pull my pants down on stage to the point where I have just my underwear and I pretend like I'm taking pictures of my ass, um, you know, yeah. for Instagram, and I make like these weird noises, <laughs> that's hilarious in my head. I'm thinking if I just compare it to that and say, oh, we don't have anything like that and then do it, people are going to laugh. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm getting into it, right? Uh-huh. I, I kind of stumbled a little bit, and then I pull my pants down. Underwear under, obviously, That's good. mind That's you. Good. Um, nothing was showing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the mic cuts. No. Yeah. And it was one of the most scary things ever. I had to, you know, I, I was talking for five seconds, and you couldn't hear a thing. I was like, oh crap yeah so he ends up getting me another mic it was this whole debacle for like what felt like five minutes it must have been like 20 seconds Dude. it was still embarrassing though so i just i picked up all the pieces where i tried to and it was just dead silent oh man right at the punchline yeah too. yeah too yeah bad. and i'm not saying i don't think i got a lot of laughs um but it was my first time, so Listen. whatever. I was just glad to get it over with. So after that, I picked up the pieces. And it was kind of like one of those get out of the building type things. I ended with something else. And then that I passed it on to him. But, yeah. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I got the first one out of the way. Seriously, man. And the fact that you did it, too. Yeah. Regardless if you did good or bad. The yeah. fact that you did it, you like you, you proved yourself that you could actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And mm-hmm. that's a win in my book. Yeah, exactly. So, it was a win for me because sure. I didn't think I could do it in the beginning. 100%. The first time, it's never going to be sunshine and rainbows. I mean, look yeah. at me. You could have had an experience like me, too. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I guess we're, uh, we're in a similar vein when it comes to that. But um, yeah, I feel like you have to fail, but you fail upward. 100%. 100%. There's always a learning experience yeah. involved in that, I feel like. And I feel like you have to know your audience, too. Like uh, for yeah. that, it was um, you know people like from – I would like to say from like 16 to 17, 18, um, it was all like, and then there were parents and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like 
for like references, right? Like I, I wanted to make like a Bill Cosby ref or not a Bill Cosby. It was OJ. OJ, okay. I wanted to make an OJ reference. And when I do all this stuff, I try and test it out around people first. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Friends, family, I want to know honestly. And if I butcher it when I tell them, I butcher it. But it, it's, it's practice. Yeah, sense. yeah. And so I'm telling my brothers and uh, a couple other people their age relatively. My one brother is 19, the middle brother, and then the youngest brother is 15. Mm-hmm. And I tried to tell this OJ joke, and they didn't even know who OJ Simpson was. Yeah. So it's like, and some people our age do, but some people don't for whatever the reason. You know, they um, they're not up to date on like pop culture and history. Right, right. And it was like, huh, maybe I don't tell that in front of the 17 and 18 year olds. Mm-hmm. So it's all about knowing your audience, too, 100%, I feel like. 100%. 100%. I guess, you know, I probably should have known with the gay pride flag <laughs> up there that it probably wasn't the best place to tell that joke, even though it wasn't anything malicious. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a, you're right. It's a matter of knowing yeah. your audience. Yeah. And um, it definitely makes a big difference at the end of the day. For sure. And, like, mm-hmm. you don't want to – the goal is never to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah, 100%. That's never, like, the intention. It's kind of like comedy. I feel like regardless of – who you're making fun of, or not even that you're making fun of, but you know, the topics that you're talking about, it's all about bringing people together at the yeah. end of the day. It's all about laughing mm-hmm. at ourselves. I mean, sure, there's stuff that like is overkill, you yeah. know what I mean? But like at the end of the day, I feel like you could, if there's a way you could word something that you can honestly make anything funny and you yeah. can make, you know, something awful to turn into something kind of funny, you could kind of make a silver lining out yeah. of it that way, you know? Yeah. So just like you said, bringing people together. 100%. 100%. And I feel like, you could say anything to get a laugh. Like I, I, I feel like for me anyway, I try to write stuff and come up with stuff that would make me laugh. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times it's just like dark stuff. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, I love dark humor. It, that's like the only thing that'll really like make me laugh. Like mm-hmm. one-liners, it depends. Yeah. Some people are clever with it. Some people, and I'm not saying like you don't you don't have to be dirty or you have to be dirty. It just depends, really. Um, you could be clean and still be hilarious. It just depends. But like typical one-liners that you'll get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like that, that comes off as more corny to me. Me too. Me too. And same thing with like if people tell fake stories or whatever. Yeah. Like I I feel like it it makes something so much funnier if you don't even say that it's fake mm-hmm. or just you – know, it's obvious that it's like uh, not fake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like it just makes it so much more – if there's an authenticity there, mm-hmm. it makes the joke carry – or it carries the joke so much better as opposed to – 100%. Yeah. I absolutely. agree because then you don't have to remember, oh, what did I write? What did I – say that i did here mm-hmm. if you just live it you're literally living it again on on you know the stage 100 100 that's and, why i love joey diaz yeah but anyway i'm sorry no it brings me up. back to my next question mm-hmm. that i had for you uh mentally prepared here yeah what is like the craziest story that you have um either high school or college um involving really anything like your craziest story that you can recall that's a good question that's a good question there was there was okay, so prom night, so prom night, and like the after parties after baccalaureate all kind of like blend together. And I don't know if I would necessarily like want to name any names because I don't know if people would be too thrilled about that. So like, um, but you, I could you probably don't, just you don't have tell. to name drop. So I'll, I could tell you after the whole like break and everything right. like that. But I was how sorry. no how long is it going to be? Because we have about seven minutes. Seven left. minutes. I could cut it right now. And then we could do another one. Because if yeah, you know, we might as well just in case. I don't think it would go the full blown seven minutes, but just you know, you, you might want to cut it here. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to ruin the story. No, I get that. I get that. So. All right, fellas, we'll be right back. Um, it's gonna win a word in here from our sponsors and uh, pay me money for my show. We're back. Please pay me money. It's a ninety nine cent uh, subscription. It's really not a lot. None of you are homeless. You all live in 
decently sized houses you 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 have a phone that you're watching this on you have a tv a computer you can pay me 99 cents a month anyway so i want to get back to this the story and i want to have it fully fledged out uh you don't need the name drop just uh as in detail as possible okay sounds good sounds good so there's a couple stories in terms of like the last bit a couple big parties at uh, of high school okay so there was mm-hmm. a prom then um i think it was like after baccalaureate and then one was after actual graduation mm-hmm. commencement okay and uh i guess the first time at prom i was uh the dd i'm not really a big drinker in the first place mm-hmm. to tell you the truth I, I never really drunk drank that much in high school or anything like that so i was the dd the night of a uh, prom or whatever and you know a bunch of people came up to me at the party like hey you know we've been you know we had a little bit too much to drink is there any chance you could drive me home i'm like okay sounds good well, by the time the night was over, there were probably about eight, nine guys in my car, okay? And I have a very small Buick Encore, okay? So one buddy – oh, sorry. How many seats does it have? It's got five. <laughs> so, I mean, there were dudes sitting on top of each other. One one of my our good friends, his torso was in the front seat and his ass was in the back seat as he was giving me directions, completely wrong directions, mind you, to his house. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I was making sharp left turns, right turns every time. He was like, no, you're going the right way, wrong way, whatever. So, and I mean, everybody was screaming in the back, shouting they're going to puke or whatever. I was like, oh, God, no, just get me home, please. You were the only sober person? I was the only – no, no, the, me and Dylan Pat. Me and ah, Dylan Pat were the only sober gotcha. guys there. So – but it was a uh, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So that uh, that happened, and then what else happened? I'm, I, the thing is that a lot of it was like a blur in terms of like which nights were happened when. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's such a monumental thing when you graduate from high school. One hundred percent. It's all grouped together. Absolutely, absolutely. The next time we slept over a buddy of ours' house, okay, mm-hmm. and on the way home, he just kept like making like, oh, like I was just like, oh no, and it, we were, Dylan Pep was driving, okay, oh boy, and it, and Dylan was freaking out. He was just like, I swear to God, if you puke in my car, that's it. And so the guy in the back that we were driving with, he was just like, oh, he kept doing it. He's like, I don't think I'm gonna make it home. Oh my okay? gosh! And the guy that was puking, that was the house that we were sleeping over. Oh jeez. Okay? And so, or that felt like he was going through. So we get out of the car. And uh, he lays down in the basement, okay? And he's just laying there, and he's like, Nico, get me a trash bag. Oh, and I'm just no. like, oh, no, what's going down, man? And so I go upstairs. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. I turn the entire kitchen upside down. His parents probably woke up from that. I finally find the trash bags, okay? I run downstairs, okay? And all of a sudden, he's just like, bring me the trash bag now. And he just – and I'm just sort of standing there like in shock like this. I have a big smile on my face, okay? And he just goes – and I'm just standing there just like in shock, still like not doing anything. And um, another buddy of ours that was there, he was just like, Nico, give him the bag now, quick. And I just sort of standing there like this. And I wasn't doing anything. And he was just still puking everywhere. I mean, he painted the entire basement purple. And it, and, and my, the other buddy that was sitting on the side, he was just like, aim for the bag. Like, it's not like you could hear him amidst having a human catastrophe like that. You know what I mean? So anyway. Oh after that whole debacle was over, we had to throw like a bunch of couch cushions out and everything like that. And that yeah. still is one of the most infamous like high school like stories of mine. That, that was insane. insane. My God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was something. And then another buddy of ours, actually, um, this was I think this was the night after Baccalaureate. There was some after party going on or whatever. And the cops got called. We were at a party oh. in Liberty. OK. And our, a good friend of ours, he um. <laughs> <laughs> he's cousins with the cop 
Huh. And he didn't realize it at first. And he, he had a little bit to drink. And so he didn't realize it at first. But the cops were asking for him, even though it wasn't his house. Mm-hmm. And so he was scared shitless. He didn't know what was going on. And so he went upstairs or whatever. And pretty much the cops were just like, listen, you know, this is the, we just got a noise complaint. There's a lot more important things we got to do tonight. Yeah. And just like, you guys just keep it down. And he was just like, okay, yeah, I could do that for you. I kind of oh, named his name, but I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, it's it is what it is. Yeah, and so he goes back downstairs. <laughs> And everybody's just like waiting to see what's going on. Like it was all quiet. There was no music playing anymore. Nothing like that. Right. And Aiden goes downstairs and he's what Aiden's ways could be. You know what I mean? And he just shouts, fuck 12 ACH. I made them leave. And everybody cheered. It was absolute. It was, it was epic. It was, I've never seen anything like that. The party, everybody erupted in the party. But nobody heard him. Like the cops didn't hear. Although the cops left. (laughs) Yeah. The cops left. And so he was just like, I made them leave. Oh my just like, gosh. oh my god what a absolutely hysterical absolutely hysterical oh my yeah going back to the second story you mm-hmm. told when the um when your friend threw up all over the basement yeah yeah what does that smell like you know in the moment it didn't really smell like much because it was mainly just like alcohol puke i guess ah, so okay. like you just pretty much smell that and you know yeah alcohol or something like that so it wasn't anything like you know it's not like he ate mm-hmm. like a steak buffet or anything yeah. like that beforehand huh but uh it was uh that was an interesting night, and we had to throw the couch cushions out on the deck or whatever. Because like, what are you gonna do? Oh my! Yeah, it's not like we could call the cleaners right there, and no. he's just like, and he, like in the middle of it, he was just like, "We're gonna have to call the landlord." <laughs> and three a.m. too. There's not a lot that you can get at three a.m. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, bro, baccalaureate. That was uh, that was my downfall. That was your downfall. That, that was the first time I ever drank. I see. I um, see. If anybody doesn't know, baccalaureate mm-hmm. for Ursuline High School, where we went. Uh, the graduation, graduation is a big deal for everybody, but especially at Ursuline, there's a lot of tradition. Uh, so first you have the awards day. That's when the first time you wear your cap and gown, uh, everybody sits on the, uh, floor, not floor, mm-hmm. gosh, but like there's chairs on the floor and stuff like that. The whole school is there. Yeah. Parents come to uh, second time you wear the cap and gown is baccalaureate. That's the graduation mass. Um, and then finally you have graduation, which is that Sunday, uh, last time you're in the cap and gown. So after baccalaureate, my senior year, which was 2019, the last year before the world ended, yeah, um, it was interesting, man. We had uh, pretty much the whole senior class, maybe a couple of people from like lower grades. They went to Luigi Rohrbaugh's house. Oh, jeez. And that was where the after party was. I gotcha. gotcha. Shout out to Luigi. He's a security guard at uh, the casino. Now. Is he really yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Where, uh, the Hollywood game right there? Yeah. Hollywood. Okay, nice. And I think he's, he still plays football, too. Anyway, <clears throat> so that was there. And I don't know if you know about this alcohol called Tito's, no. vodka, Tito, whatever. <clears throat> okay, so I, um, you know, Tito's and I, we uh, we met that night. <laughs> we met. And, you know, I just wanted to see, because I was going to sleep over my friend's house anyway. I just wanted to see how much I could take. Mm-hmm. I wanted to test my tolerance. Because mm-hmm. I've had beers before. I'm, I'm not a heavy drinker, but I've never been drunk. I just wanted to see what was possible. Yeah, yeah testing my tolerance <laughs> so my tolerance was tested um i had two beers and eight shots of tito's and i was complaining because i couldn't feel anything and mind you this this was in a short amount of time and mm-hmm. i had a lot of food okay? right so i was like why can't i feel anything so i kept going and i think i had 14 and i, I as i realized i had 14 i was like oh I'm fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, I'm very much drunk. Um, I remember um, everything. 
it was uh, it was a fun experience because it was like the last time all of the class was together mm-hmm. and it was cool so we get it was uh let's see it was myself and four friends maybe five and we had all gone to my one friend's house which mind you he wasn't at the after party because he was something with his girlfriend at the time uh i'm not really sure but i remember we got there to his house Mm -hmm. and you get out of the car and i finally understood the meaning of the term shit face drunk (laughs) because i was like ah shit I don't want his mom and his dad to know that I'm drunk. But the way it is, is you get, we went in through the garage and then you kind of, you're in the, uh, like the family room. Yeah. They're watching TV. And so you're standing right there, you say hello. And then as soon as you, you walk through, you turn around and that's the basement. Mm-hmm. It's like pivot, the door's right there to go down. That's where we slept. And working up to it, I was like, ah, oh, shit, I don't want to know I'm drunk. But in reality, my face was kind of like, Kind of like that, whatever. Like mm-hmm. shit. And I tried to make it seem like I wasn't drunk, but it just didn't look like it. You know, it's one of those things that you can't control your facial expression at that time. Uh, she knew. Yeah, yeah. She knew. Absolutely. So I fell asleep um, on the floor with everything on that I had. Mm-hmm. And then I had a dream. And in the dream, I was peeing, like standing up just like this. Right in the middle of his basement. Just letting it flow for like 40 seconds, mind you. This was a good piss in my dream. (laughs) I wake up. And I'm on the couch. Oh. Fell asleep on the floor, but okay. Yeah. And I had a blanket on me. Okay. I take the blanket off. Oh, my shorts are gone. Oh, no. It wasn't a dream. Dude. So I, I, I get over there. I'm still like hungover. Uh-huh. I, I get over. This is like five, uh, five thirty, six in the morning. Okay. I get over there and I'm like fuck, my shorts are soiled right in that spot. Dude. I was like, oh shit. So okay, oh mind God. you, I'm still a little bit drunk. So I can, I'm like, okay, I go into this. Oh, I go into his bathroom. I go into the bathroom, right? Yeah. And. I couldn't find anything but conditioner for hair. Yeah. I said, fuck it. <laughs> I put the conditioner on the carpet. I'm scrubbing for like 10 minutes. Mind you, I, I probably look like retarded by anybody else. But I'm scrubbing as fast as I can. I just yeah. don't want the smell to be there mm-hmm. when his dad comes down. <clears throat> so then I heard I heard noises. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so I go, I, I'm pretending that I'm sleeping on the couch or whatever. Right, right. His dad comes down because the laundry room was like in the next room right there. Mm-hmm. Downstairs. So his dad comes down. Doesn't say a thing. I was like, okay. Okay, we're making progress. Yeah, it must not yeah. smell. It must be a little bit soggy though. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I put my shorts in my bag. Disgusting. My piss-filled shorts. <laughs> and okay, boom. So I was up the whole time. I couldn't fall back to sleep. Yeah. Okay, we get up. We had a job interview the next morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. Dude. So myself, my one friend, and we were both um, hungover. Yeah. My other friends went. And then we picked up my brother. Mm-hmm. So we came here and then we went. It was a golf at the time. It's closed now, but it was a golf range. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. we're in there, hungover, and got the job. Not got too the, shabby, Got the job. Man. Got the job. Not um, too shabby, yeah. Man. So I think I'm a pretty good actor in that regard. But it was nice. So then we went and had to let it wear off somehow. Couldn't come home till I was not hungover anymore because I didn't want my parents to know. 
They found out anyway, but it's not, not the point. Right. Um, so we get a White House, and I see somebody that is now actually studying to be a priest. And I was hungover at the time, so it was really hard to understand if he knew, and I kind of think he did. But yeah. I tried to carry on the conversation. And mind you, I'm 18 years old at the time. Um, right. So it was hard. It, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't uh, – he knew. He, that he had to have known. But it was one of those things like I can't believe you're the person I see out of all the people. <laughs> was it Wayne Young? No, you no. don't know. You don't know. He oh, okay. No, no. He's 32 now. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. But it was one of these things like uh, – yeah. And then we went to like a garage sale. It was just spontaneous. What stuff. a day. What a day. Seriously, man. Yeah. Coming, it's like you know, coming home at like two o'clock in the afternoon. It's that shitty feeling. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like, ah, what did I do? Mm-hmm. That's but, fair. That's fair. yeah. I've since have not uh, been that drunk. I don't blame you. I don't yeah. Blame you. yeah. yeah it is what it is. Absolutely, man. Nothing wrong. With it's that. a story, but when it becomes a habit, it's pretty bad. One hundred percent. Yeah. No. Listen, you just in moderation. You know, yeah. That's all you got to do. Tell you the truth, I'm not even really like a big alcohol guy. To tell you mm-hmm. the truth, like I'll do a couple. Like sips from time to time, but mm. that's that's about the extent of things. I love I love my cigars. That's yeah, my cigars. That's right my there. one vice, and you know I think you look cool doing them. So <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, that's, that's like, it's not a bad vice. No, absolutely, absolutely, it's so, not a bad vice. It's good, you know, get sit on the back porch, have the fire going. Mm-hmm. You're set to go. You're exactly. Set to go. So it kind of feels like a movie in that regard. I want to transition here. Okay, sounds um, good. Sounds good. Obviously, you said you want to. Hopefully, direct one. Day. That would be the dream, man. If, if I get the opportunity, that would be uh, that would be unreal. My, I had how does this go? I had a, a, like a great uncle mm-hmm. that was a director. No way. Yeah, he moved to Hollywood. Or like director producer. His name was his name. Oh my gosh, was uh, Giulio De Benedetto. Okay, okay. And he directed a couple of shows and produced a couple. It, it's not a lot, mm-hmm. but it's he's on IMDb. Um, but anyway, I want to tra- awesome. transition this. I've always been fascinated with movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like when, when COVID hit, I started watching like anything that interested me because you have a lot of time off. You're right, saying. right. And I wanted to get your kind of opinion. What's your top, you want to say top 10 or top five? Top 10, top five. Yeah, let me pull up. As a matter of fact, Go I, ahead, got, my, dude, uh, any, I got it on the list. I'm, oh, never mind. It's over there. Anyway, I could just, I could shoot. Anyway, okay. so I'd say like, you want me to go like, like in terms of like top five, like, Number ten to the number one. You don't even have to rank it. You okay, just, it, it, you just put them in there. Sounds good. So I have a big fan of like Martin Scorsese movies, mm-hmm. like crime movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like Goodfellas, Casino, Taxi Driver is my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you seen Taxi Driver? I have not. No. That's really good. It's it's completely different from any of his other things. It's not like mob like related mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's about like this this broken guy who feels like he needs to um t- take it upon himself to uh. Exp- express his views in through vigilantism and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So he uh, he pretty much just how should I say it? he goes? It's just the best way to describe the movie is just a lonely spiral into madness. I think that's the best way to put it because huh. it's kind of tough to just explain on paper. But it stars Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. He plays a disgruntled taxi driver. He's obviously very lonely and outcasted by society and mm-hmm. especially in New York City he feels completely alone which is different and the way they shoot it makes it feel as if it's such an isolated city mm-hmm. and so I, I love the aesthetic of the movie and I just love the feel it's so dark mm-hmm. but the way in which they capture just 70s grimy sleazy New York before Giuliani cleaned it up and everything mm-hmm. like that it's just awesome like I really? could just live in that realm really it just it's so cool the way they shoot it and capture it and everything and um huh 
definitely worth checking out for sure. That's my, my number one. Hmm. They said Joker was like loosely based off that. Joker's loosely based on it. And I, I do you like Joker? I'm, yeah, I actually yeah, wrote a I paper really, on it. Did you really? Yeah. I really like Joker too. I don't care what anybody says. I know a lot of people don't, but mm-hmm. I think yeah, it does it borrow a lot from Taxi Driver. Yes, but I feel like in terms of like what that what Joker's trying to get across, I think kind of had to mm-hmm. in a way. Um, so I I think that's all right in terms of that. But I, I do really like that movie. I think it's definitely like a modern sort of yeah. incarnation of it. So if you like Joker, I think you'd really like Taxi Driver. I have to watch Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. I remember the day I went. <clears throat> I've only watched it once. Yeah, because it, it's a movie that like. I kind of have to mince my words. Yeah. It's a movie that's supposed to disturb you. 100%. I went with a girl I was dating at the time. Ah, I see. I see. And How'd there that go? we go. And I'm like, what you think? Mm-hmm. And she's like, what you think? I said, well, I, I, it was it was disturbing. <laughs> yeah. It's a good film. I said, what, what did you think? Her eyes get real big. Do like the green goblin. She goes, I loved it. <laughs> And I was like, oh, red flag. That might be a telltale sign to call it quits right there. Well, we ended up breaking up, obviously. Ah, I see. Uh, not too short. Uh, a couple months after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Um, That's hysterical. I've told that story before. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you better watch out. Right. And so, In her defense, though, and I, was, I think I was listening to like a podcast like mm-hmm. Tarantino or something. He was talking about Joker mm-hmm. or whatever. And he was saying that movie – the way in which they like shoot it and tell the story, it makes you almost like sympathize. Think, yeah, it makes you sympathize, but also it makes you think like a like a nut by the end of it because yeah, like yeah. when you're sit, you feel that tension when he's sitting in the uh, talk show with Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. and like he said subconsciously, we all want Joaquin Phoenix to shoot Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. like in anything, any other outcome besides that, we'd feel disappointed by. And I'm yeah. just like that's really interesting. I never really thought of it that way. Yeah, I mean, I mean that I've never like had a theater experience before like that where like that tension is obviously just like oh my god, what's gonna happen? You know what I mean? I haven't either. Yeah. Now that you say that, that's mm-hmm. the only time I felt like holy shit, like ugh. yeah, yeah, like I'm in the audience with them watching that talk show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's something else, something else. So that's yeah, that's definitely worth checking out. But I highly recommend Taxi Driver. Oh, I have to write that down. Right like Joker for sure. Um, like Goodfellas, obviously, as a matter of fact, that inspired the thumbnail for today's show. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, that's a classic. I think everybody's talked about it till they're blue in the face. But yeah. another Scorsese movie, great music. I just love the Italian mm-hmm. atmosphere and everything. Rest in peace to Ray Liotta. Uh, absolutely. How about that, man? Like, recently, like Norm Ray Liotta, a bunch of different guys. I mean, we've been losing left and right. My man. gosh. Um. Betty White. Betty White. Although she obviously very old. She was 99. Right. Like right. still, um, the fact that she actually, nobody thought that everybody, I always thought that she would just keep going. Yeah, keep me going. too, man. Me too. Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. Comedian. Uh, oh my gosh, Gilbert Goffrey. Gilbert, yeah, yeah. Bob Saget. Bob Saget too, yeah. Yeah, bro. How about that? Everybody's dying. Seriously, man. All these legends. It's too bad. It's crazy. Because I just recently watched the um, Sopranos prequel with Ray Liotta. What would you think about the prequel? I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed it too. It's not necessarily like – I feel like the, the show is like – it's my favorite. Sopranos is my favorite show of all time. And yeah, it might be mine too. Yeah, it's it's so good. And I still need to finish Breaking Bad. I'm like on the first season still, but mm. I do need to do that. I know. It's like it's been on it, – it's just I got busy with school and I was just like, oh. okay, I got to go back and start from the beginning if I'm going. You want to talk about tension and anxiety that something will give you. That show brought me all the tension, all the anxiety, because you'll see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Walter, um, you know, he's living this life where not nobody knows at first, and then he's hiding it from his wife. I'm not going to spoil it, but oh, it's so good. Anyway, I don't want to deviate from this conversation. No, 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 you're cool. Okay, so you said taxi driver. Taxi driver. 
Now, one, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Heat. It's with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. And I think I it's seen it. arguably both their best performances. Really? Hands down. Hands down. It's about uh, Al Pacino plays this uh, high-up detective in L.A. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro plays a professional thief safecracker in L.A. And they're, both of their worlds just collide. And they don't – and as the movie goes along, like – Al Pacino has such a messed up home life. Robert mm-hmm. De Niro has such an empty home life. Mm-hmm. And you realize that maybe they're not as different as they thought they were. Huh. It's incredible. It's like three hours long. Really? Everybody under the sun's. You got Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer, the Allstate really? guy. Really? Um, who else? Uh, who's the guy? Um, whoops. Angelina Jolie's dad. John Voight. John Voight. Really? Um, who else is there? Uh, a million different other actors that you'd recognize. And it's it's just so well done. Wow. And it's like, it's three hours long, but the tension that it builds. I bet it doesn't feel like three hours. It doesn't feel like it at all. And like the way they capture Los Angeles huh. is just beautiful, breathtaking, wow. breathtaking. And it, um, it's got some of the most invigorating like heist scenes ever. Cause like Michael Mann, the director, he's such a stickler. Mm-hmm. He's mainly a, primarily a crime director. Mm-hmm. He's such a stickler for being like technically correct in terms of like how like um you know guns operate or how like the equipment that thieves use like mm-hmm. to make sure and that's very prominent in his first movie uh, thief with james Conner. Mm-hmm. that's another great crime movie um but yeah it's just it's so well done actually speak of that let's segue into thief because thief is Go another ahead, yeah. one of my favorites james con let me tell you something about james con does not get the recognition that he deserves. He is just a complete mm-hmm. and total badass. He's an icon. Uh, 100%. And the fact that he wasn't in as many movies as a lot of these other guys is a shame because yeah. I feel like he is equally as good, if not better, than a lot of them. And, um, you know, The Thief is probably my favorite performance of his. He really? It takes place in Chicago. He's also a professional thief. And he b- breaks into a lot of safes. And... Um, I'm butchering the plot of it, but anyway, he mainly, uh, his character, his name's Frank. He's looking for a way in order to get out of the crime world in order to start a new life and mm-hmm. find the missing piece of the puzzle, which is having a family living the American dream. Well, the mob doesn't want him to do that. The people mm. that he's involved with. So they go after him. Oh my! It's insane. And, uh, we actually, I it came out in 1981. They did a uh, 35 millimeter print of it when I was out in Chicago and it takes place in Chicago. Really? So they saw it in theaters and the the way that they uh, like they light the movie, it's like it's like neon drenched Chicago, and it's mm-hmm. got the Tangerine Dream score. So mm-hmm. they're the guys who like the GTA Five score and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just super like synthy, and it just has such a cool vibe to it. Really? It's, it's so well done. And it's like a slow burn, but like you never feel like mm-hmm. it is. And it's got some of the most just incredible shots I've seen, and it's just such a really just solid character arc for such mm-hmm. a broken character. Mm-hmm. It's really really well done. Wow. Yeah, yes. I feel like going back to James Caan, mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree. You know, he was in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, his character gets killed off. Spoiler alert. Right. Shame, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, he was one of my favorite characters. And then, okay, he's you know, he has prominent roles in the 70s. I feel like the 80s, too. You're good. Um, but then, I feel like mainstream anyway, uh, at least for me, I wasn't, I'm not aware of like anything he did in the 90s up until Elf. Right, right. He didn't really do much, to tell you the truth. Hmm. It was a shame. But another one he did was The Gambler, which is pretty good. I've heard of that. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Not a, on the level of Thief and mm-hmm. Godfather, in my opinion, but still, huh. we're checking out. But yeah, I feel like he's underappreciated. He was in, gosh, the most recent film. It was like that uh, War with Grandpa. Oh, yeah. Something was that the like one with that. Robert De Niro or whatever? Well, there was two. There was like, a, there was maybe, maybe that was at War with Grandpa. But then there was another one where like, James Conn's is like undercover. He's like a, it's had something with title. Uh, it was titled Grandpa, something like that. But he like he's okay. an undercover like agent, 
and somebody's in trouble. So I, I'm not sure. I'm butchering it. No, no, you're good. You're good. But yeah, um, that's interesting though. Yeah, I'll sure. have to check out Dave. Highly recommend, man. Highly recommend. It's it's kind of tough to find, but there's like it's on like some of like the free streaming services okay. like Tubi or something okay. like that. I'm sure you can find it. On. Hmm. Worth checking out for sure. Huh. And that's another thing that you do. Uh, you didn't mention it, obviously, but uh, I'll let everybody know. You do like movie reviews, basically, yeah. on your social media. And I haven't done them in a long time. Um, I mainly do it on. Uh, are you familiar with Letterbox? I think so. Yeah. So it's pretty much like a. Uh, it's a social media app where you could like log and review movies and make like lists about like your favorite movies and stuff like wow. that. So it's it's for me. I love it because you yeah. can log everything you watch on a certain day. So like, let's say on I could go back to like January 2018. Mm -hmm. I don't know the first movie. Let's say Boogie Nights or something like that. Um, which that's another one too. I highly recommend. Um, but anyway, let's say I watched that one the, the first of the year. I could go back and see that for my own reference or whatever. And mm -hmm. then like you could review the movie so you could like you see your thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. And then as you rewatch movies or whatever, you could see how much like maybe your opinions stay the same or change. So definitely, definitely worth checking out. Huh. Yeah. But for me, I feel like I've always been sort of like gravitated more so towards like dark movies and mm -hmm. sort of like dark subject matter. Mm -hmm. Like anything that like says like, like controversial in the title mm -hmm. or like usually some of my favorite movies i know it's kind of like edgy well, to say but... no but yeah i don't think it's edgy because it's interesting it's not it's not commonly talked about it's like taboo absolutely basically. absolutely so like movies that like are borderline intense in terms of like you know uh, sexuality or violence mm -hmm. or whatever i i feel like oftentimes like the the reason why they go like above me on a cross that line is for, to, in order to for a purpose to, in order to maybe send a message mm -hmm. about, you know, a certain topic or what have you. So like move like Gaspar Noé is irreversible, mm -hmm. incredibly difficult to watch, but that's one of my all time favorites. Really? Yeah. It's really good. It's a, the whole movie's backwards. And it's pretty much like the account of like, there's just one awful night that this couple has. Huh. It's really good. Um, there's that one in the house that Jack built that came out a couple years ago. It stars Matt Dillon in it hmm. and he plays a serial killer Really, and sort of, it's like, it's like, it's pretty long. It's like two and a half hours, but it's sort of, it shows like five of his random killings throughout his time being mm -hmm. a killer or whatever. And it just breaks in like the philosophy and the psyche of it. And it's mm -hmm. all kind of like an allegory for the director and his, uh, he feels that like the director himself of the movie felt so unfulfilled with his career mm -hmm. that he sort of like, it was like an extension of himself through, oh, wow. yeah, like through the character. So I thought it was just, that was incredibly well done. Too. Wow. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, in terms of art, I don't know. I feel like movies now, um, you look at something like The Godfather or any of the movies that you mentioned before, uh, a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. I feel like nowadays we as people don't have the attention span for those long movies. No, absolutely not. And also it's kind of like watered down. Uh, Martin Scorsese he famously said that uh, Marvel movies or superhero movies remind him of theme parks, mm -hmm. essentially. Uh, I feel like there's truth to that where like nowadays people are just looking for all the money mm -hmm. and they'll – Kind of like exploit like superheroes and stuff like that in that genre, which I'm a big fan of superhero movies. Don't me, get me, me wrong. Me too. Me too. But there's something about like a movie that you could tell that like that's art. You know what I mean? It's 100%. not. It's not cheapened. There's not a lot of movies like now that I can think of off the top of my head uh, recently that I can think of as art. Or if you do find them, it's like the independent movies 100%. that they get shown at the film festivals first, mm -hmm. and then you know if they're well received, then they get put up and commercial you get everybody's will see them right right and uh, you know usually the independence that's more so the ones that i i really love mm -hmm. i do like superhero movies mm -hmm. don't get me wrong but i feel like people sort of blew like the blew out of proportion scorsese's yeah. comments a lot yeah because i mean all he was saying is that you know that's not the type of cinema that he grew up with you mm -hmm. know what i mean and like there's nothing wrong with marvel movies but at the end of the day i feel like 
there's not necessarily a whole lot of variety in terms of the stories you could tell anymore mm-hmm. because they, they, I mean, what are they are on like the 30th MCU movie. And not that there's anything wrong with it. I think that they're, I mean, I still love them. I still yeah. really enjoy them. But, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I understand what he means. Because yeah. like a lot of movies like um, that aren't necessarily blockbuster focused. Like you feel like you, there's like sort of a message behind it, but like you feel like you kind of get like a little slice of life out of them that you might mm-hmm. not get with like something like Star Wars or something like that. Yeah. So I think both of them could coexist, honestly, because there's a time and a place for both of them. Like sometimes I like to sit back, relax, watch Die Hard, watch the, you mm-hmm. know, Empire Strikes Back or something mm-hmm. like that. But I also, the movies that I love the most are the ones where like I feel like I, um, I just like, it's like an experience by the end of it. Like I'm just like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Like Boogie Nights, for example. It's one of my all time favorites. It's about, um, Mark Wahlberg joins the porn industry in the seventies. No way! It's really good. It's an all-star cast. I think that's just one of the one of the best movies of the nineties for sure. Oh wow! Yeah, we're gonna cut it real quick mm-hmm. just so we don't uh, get cut off. Yet. Yeah, but we will be right back. Absolutely. All right, we're back. Um, I think this is working. I hope so. Talking to it for a second. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Okay. All right. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Once again, donate to my show. Ninety-nine cents a month. That's less than the typical OnlyFans subscription. So if your crush has an OnlyFans and she's, you know, putting herself out there for just $5.99, whatever, I'm cheaper. I'm better. My quality is better, if that makes sense. I'm not just going to gaslight you with pictures of my toes. You know what I mean? It's just not the case. So definitely give me the $0.99 cents a month. Like literally – Twelve bucks for a year. There might be a market for your toes. Look, I'm just saying. I'm just I've, saying. I've thought about it. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so – you talked about um, Bad Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Basically, just give the audience like a brief description of like that, another one of your favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about Bad Lieutenant on when we were off for a second, but it stars Harvey Keitel, and he pretty much plays this junkie cop in New York City who's trying to solve this case of a nun that was raped. And it's it's heavy subject matter for sure, but it's like in a similar vein to Taxi Driver in terms of like a broken man seeking redemption. So I think it's incredibly well done. You see the Harvey Keitel's full frontal in it. And like I said, it's it's very difficult subject matter to watch, but I feel like it's all done for a purpose in terms of like trying to for the movie to get its message across. And so I with that in mind, I think it's just incredibly well done with what it was trying to do. And that's one of my all time favorites. Another great New York movie of the nineties. He did that in Reservoir Dogs in the same year. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I mean I'm a fan of Reservoir Dogs. Oh, Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs I tell you the truth, I think it's my favorite Tarantino, if I'm being honest. Really? Yeah, and I know that's like all such the way a, back then. Such a deep cut, but yeah, I, I wow. love Reservoir Dogs so much. That's like it's for me, it's like it's ninety minutes. You just put it on, and mm-hmm. I could just I could watch any scene of that movie. Yeah, yeah. The interrogation scene was cool. So good. So good. everything was good there. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I think when it comes to Tarantino, mm-hmm. it's just for me in terms of like my favorite movies from him. It's all what mood I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm feeling like I want that '90s Los Angeles scene. Yeah, I want all the stuff that goes on in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. If it's just like a sunny day, I'm gonna put that on. Hundred percent. I want that iconic Samuel L. Jackson scene. With um, uh, Quentin Tarantino, John Travolta, and he's talking about the coffee. Oh my god, so funny! <laughs> Some serious gourmet shit, you know. It's, it's a TikTok sound. He's just trying to, you know, uh, you know, butter him up because of the situation that they're in. They got the dead body in the car, so good. and it's just, it's just uh, the storytelling in that is cool because they have. I'm not going to spoil it, but the two characters that obviously get murdered right before, but then yeah. it's like a time jump. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it's cool. I feel like people nowadays, there's not a lot of directors that have like that explorative um, storytelling. For sure. But they jump back and forth in the timeline. Mm-hmm. 
another Quentin Tarantino that I loved is Django Unchained. I feel like that's a so terrific good. movie. That that might be my favorite. It's, you can't. Go you have right Jamie Foxx who plays, um, you know, the slave that was freed, and he's trying to find his wife. Mm-hmm. I, I forget the who's the other actor. Oh, the guy who's like his partner. Yeah, Chris, Christoph Waltz. Okay, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Tremendous actor. So I don't think he gets the love he deserves. Absolutely. He was great in Bond. He was oh, great in that. Inglorious Bastards. Glorious Bastards. Another yes. Tarantino yes. movie. Yes. Once again. But that might be my favorite too. It literally depends on what movie. Where they literally rewrite history. And I'm not going to spoil it. Mm-hmm. But cer- some certain dictator dies. <laughs> and it's fantastic. The first nine minutes alone. The interrogation scene where he goes to the guy who's hiding all of the Jews. And there's only oh one. God. I forget the it's been so long. What's the lady's, the girl's the name? The girl's name, I don't remember off the top of my head, but she well, is incredible. He plays such a menace, Christoph Waltz plays such a menacing yeah. villain. That first nine minutes, this interrogation scene, and literally, they're they're hiding all, all the, the family of Jews underneath the floorboards. And mm-hmm. this it's just like this intense thing. That I never saw this in the theaters, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it was like one of them, like a... Uh, it was like that high anxiety that you feel when you're watching Joker. Like the pressure 100%. keeps building up because you know that he knows that the Jews are underneath the floorboards of this house. And he keeps on just pressing them and pressing them. But almost like he wasn't trying. Kind of like he was trying to like masquerade that um, behind like this face of like a calm, cool, collective guy. who He's trying to befriend you, sure. Yeah. But his name, his nickname is the Jew Hunter. That's him. And so eventually he kind of... He interrogates him, the guy to the point where he threatens him and his, his whole family. He has three daughters, I believe it was revealed, this guy mm-hmm. who's hiding the Jews uh, in his house. He threatens them. He threatens his whole way of life eventually to the guy. He succumbs to Christoph Waltz's character and says they're under the floorboards. Oh, and eventually, you know, lets off a couple rounds and the one lady who escapes – uh, is one of the main protagonists of the film. That scene where she's like covered in just mud and blood and she's running on the landscape of like German. Oh my God, dude. And he is... lets her go. It's insane. Insane. Quentin Tarantino yeah. is one of those directors where he, I feel like he's going to do one more, he said. Yeah. And I feel like when you leave people wanting more, that's that's kind of like where you, even though it's like hard for artists to like leave people wanting more because mm-hmm. they keep wanting to create, it gets to a point where if you go out on top, your your legacy is protected. Your leg you're much better off in terms of just your body of work, how people think of you. Whereas I don't know how to compare this to because I don't know in like a director that kind of worked past or overstayed his welcome. Yeah. His or her welcome. But if you're like that people when it comes time to talk about your legacy they don't really respect you as much because they look at your later work and they think oh he didn't go out on top he he just kept giving us stuff that wasn't really relevant 100 100 i mean if you make like if you get stick it to 10 movies and mm-hmm. they're good movies and yeah you know i think you got a pretty good chance of having a great legacy but let's say you've made 50 movies you have mm-hmm. a higher percentage of you know making something that might be a dud or might, you know might yeah. not be as critically uh acclaimed as you wanted it to be so mm-hmm. i think that tarantino is definitely going the right route yeah because especially because i think he's one of the best modern filmmakers yeah. Of, yeah, of our time. I agree. So. Somebody's always going to, there's always going to be a killing spree. 100%. There's always going to be a lot of action. Then you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that at all. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was another good one. I saw that one. That was the first Quentin Tarantino movie I ever saw in theaters. Was it mine? I think Hateful Eight was the first one I saw. Mm, that's yeah. another one. That's okay. another good one. That might not be my favorite. Me but neither. In no. terms of being able to tell a story, for the most part, inside one log cabin. 
works out pretty good, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of scenes outside and stuff like that, but for the most part, I just think it was brilliant. And the fact that it kept me so engaged, they kept introducing more and more characters and uncovering what this story really was and what actually happened. Yeah. They're kind yeah. of going backwards. It's that same kind of a theme. Mm -hmm. Like, you just don't get that a lot with people nowadays that direct films. No, are, not at all. You know, major big high budget films or whatever. You don't get that. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that's one thing I love about Tarantino is that he's willing to take a risk mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, in terms of not only storytelling, but in terms of the subject matter. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, I know you got a lot of flack for stuff, but oftentimes I feel like it's, it's for a purpose in terms yeah. of his plot and, you know, so I, that stuff doesn't, doesn't necessarily bother me, mm -hmm. but I think that in terms of, you know, seeing something outside of the box and, you know, something wholly original Tarantino mm -hmm. is like one of the best guys to do it right now. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he's always ahead of the curve. He was writing a book. Um, and I, I never knew this. I yeah. found this on the Joe Rogan experience. Mm -hmm. um, he had Tarantino on. And he was basically talking about, you know, it used to be that you would have a movie and then you would have the book to go along with the movie. Right, right. And, you know, for whatever the reason, that doesn't happen anymore. But mm -hmm. he said for the first time in a while, he did that with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm -hmm. if I'm correct. Yeah. And it was like kind of not like a synopsis, but like I don't even know the word to describe it's it. It's like a novelization. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah a novelization mm -hmm. basically of everything that happens. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I read it actually. I thought, really? I thought it was awesome. I thought it really? was really well done. And it adds so much more like layers to the story. Because huh. originally Tarantino, from my understanding, he wrote it. It was like a f uh, the script roughly equated about four hours. Wow. So, and I think there's an extended cut somewhere. I that heard he, about I that heard too. Like yeah. Netflix or something. He would mm -hmm. make that, which I'd love to see because oh he did gosh. that with Hateful Eight. That'd be fantastic. Um, but uh, who knows? Who knows? But uh, there's so much more depth in terms of like um, like obviously I prefer the movie, but like course, yeah. there's a lot of depth in terms of like Brad Pitt's character's backstory. Mm -hmm. Like you know, did he or didn't he kill his wife? You sort of figure that out and, and there's that, motivation. That's so crazy too. Yeah. When he goes up against Bruce Lee in the movie, and there was like this whole controversy of like, did mm -hmm. it actually happen? And then you had Bruce Lee's family that was angry about it. Right, right. And it's, it was this whole thing. And, and that's the ball. Because I can understand, you know, if like if if it's Bruce Lee's daughter, and you know, obviously Tarantino doesn't didn't know Bruce yeah, Lee personally, yeah, yeah. but you know, I, I can understand both sides. I can mm -hmm. understand his argument. I can definitely understand uh, Bruce Lee's daughter's argument mm -hmm. there. But at the end of the day, I feel like he was making uh, all Tarantino's movies. They shouldn't necessarily be taken seriously in terms mm -hmm. of characterization, especially if it's a historical figure. It's like, more like retconning history. One hundred percent. So I, to me, that did not necessarily make yeah. the idea that I didn't find that much. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Right. Because like I think he talked about it on Rogan or whatever. Like. That was the point to make Brad Pitt's character more badass and the biggest yeah. badass because it, it wasn't the sixties. Yeah. Wasn't a real person. No, no. It was, I would assume, loosely based off a couple people, but like it right. didn't actually happen. This is like an official world that they're setting. It's not like a period piece. Exactly, exactly. And I guess the same thing goes for Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, you know the way they set up all that. So mm -hmm. you know, I. I didn't necessarily find that like a big deal or anything like mm -hmm. that, but I, I guess you, I could see where she's coming from. Yeah, but yeah, that's my uh, two cents I, on that. Yeah, I like when directors retcon history like he mm -hmm. did. It uh, it provides like um, more of I don't even know what the word is for it, but it like catches you by surprise for sure. Like for sure, Inglorious Bastards, the ending. Once again, not going to spoil the ending, but like. I didn't think that's how they were going to No, me neither. Me neither. I was just like, it's kind of more satisfying than yeah. the way it turned out, you know? Yeah, I mean, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, bro. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was crazy. Yeah. Another movie that I feel like I could watch every day, it doesn't matter, is Blade Runner. God, so good. So good. From everything that is just projected onto the screen, I, I love the way it's shot mm -hmm. uh, in a, not like post-apocalyptic, but cyberpunk yeah yeah kind of yeah. like that uh future mm -hmm. los angeles where 
I don't, I, I, I don't remember the word to describe what that is. It's not post post apocalyptic, but it's it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. I, I know, you know it, yeah. I know the word, um, and I can't think of it either. Oh my gosh, um, not cyberpunk. No, no. it's a. Uh, it's a not um, something future. Uh, yeah, it's uh, anyway. Anyway, but basically, what you have is you have people that are uh, leaving the planet Earth to go on to the colonies that are on other other off world, basically. Mm-hmm. And you have two species of people, basically. You have the human beings, which okay, whatever, and then you have the replicants. Mm-hmm. And the replicants look just like the human beings, but they only in this in Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, they only live four years. Right, and. Uh, it's this problem where they were um, like slaves on these colonies off world, but then a couple of them got into the real world mm-hmm. uh, or whatever's left of the real world. And so you have Harrison Ford's character, which I cannot say enough about Harrison Ford as an actor. Like when you think about true American icons that are actors, you think Harrison Ford, I think Samuel Jackson, Sam Denzel Jackson, Washington, uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Um, <sighs> I guess you could say Julie Andrews. Stallone? Could, could you say Stallone? I mean, I know. He's yeah, 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 yeah. Terms of Stallone, like, Stallone, yeah. Stallone, definitely. Uh, Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. like Schwarzenegger. people like that. I don't really think that a lot of them are around anymore. No, no, absolutely. Tom Cruise is really the last big action star. I feel. Could like, you, you say know? Dwayne Johnson? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you could definitely say Dwayne Johnson for sure, for sure. But you can't. I can't. Maybe Mark Wahlberg. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, yeah, we can do Mark Wahlberg. But too, there's not a lot. There's not a lot. I can't anymore. think no, of any. No, for sure. But like. Just the way it's shot, oh, and the soundtrack. Oh my god! The synth that the synth that I can't. No, you're the synth that the C eighty synthesizer yeah. Yeah. that they used just it provides such a futuristic feel. Even today, it feels so futuristic. I just listened to the soundtrack a couple of days ago. Me too. Oh it's my great. Dude, Evangelist, Evangelist. I don't know how you say it. I, he just died. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's Beautiful. so good in the way the, the message that it tells, obviously, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I love the ending. I love how they portray the replicant at the end. Um, I forget the guy's Roy. Roy. Okay, yeah. yeah. They portray him as like um, he has all these human traits. It's a real emotional ending. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. The rain and everything. Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. Yeah. It's perfect because, like, he's Roy's pursuing Harrison Ford's mm-hmm. character, and then all of a sudden, you know, you see the hand twitching. He, what did he stick like a. Spike, or yeah, something. Like I don't spike through his hand yeah, or something like that, yeah. so he wouldn't like feel or so it wouldn't spread. I'm not too sure how mm-hmm. or what that was supposed to mean, but I, I could go on and just watch that again and again and again and again. I just love the way that it feels. Me too. And the first time I watched, to tell you the truth, I wasn't that big of a fan of because I was under the impression it was going to be like uh, kind of like a just an 80s action adventure yeah. movie, and it's not it's that at all. It's so, so much, much more, more deeper than that. And so I yeah. watched it again. And it's like it's one of my all. Mm-hmm. You know? And then Harrison Ford, the love interest, Rachel, mm-hmm. you know, she's a replicant and he falls in love with her. And it's this crazy thing where like they can't be together. Oh, oh right, right. Oh, and it, did you see the sequel? I think the sequels might be. Oh, I think so too. Because my man, Ryan Gosling, let me oh tell you something. God. If there's anybody I have a man crush on in this world, it's Ryan Gosling. He was so good. So and good. I was surprised on how much screen time he got compared to Harrison Ford. Me too. only in, what, the second or third act that he comes in? Honestly, yeah, like the last hour, yeah. I'd say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what, three hours? Three hours yeah, it's about three hours. Yeah. And apparently it underperformed the box office too, which I thought was surprising. And that's too bad because I think it's one of the best sci-fi movies come on the past decade oh my god it might be the best that and interstellar are like the two of the oh, past decade, interstellar is a good one yeah but i feel like visuals oh my god nothing yeah. completes with blade runner 2049 100 100 i i think it has a great score yeah. and, I, and I, I just love the story because like ryan gosling's character well first of all ryan gosling is an actor that 
you know, a lot of people think he comes across as empty or wooden, but I think yeah. there's so much nuance through the, the way he portrays him. Like, have you mm-hmm. seen Drive? Yes, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. my gosh. And wow. there's so much depth to his character, even yeah. though he, there's not a whole lot to work with on yeah. paper. He has yeah. to show you a lot of emotion. Right, right. But I feel like that could represent the fact that he's so numb mm-hmm. to all the stuff that he's had to do until that point. Absolutely. So I think a similar thing comes around in Blade Runner then because yeah. he's a replicant. And he's just trying to find his place or maybe trying to find meaning in life. Same thing, but he's killing other replicants. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's kind of like an interesting dichotomy in the Catch-22 there. For sure. Yeah, bro. Also, what they had was the promotion. So they had a couple – three shorts. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, to pre- and I enjoyed those too. Mm-hmm. I feel like if more people, if the marketing and the advertising was better, if they maybe put a little bit more money into that, then people like us that um, you know didn't grow up watching this movie mm-hmm. would have been um, an audience that they could have capitalized on more. So I would say for sure, for sure. Yeah, so it, it's a shame because I think it's I think it's incredible. I, really I, I love it. it. It's a fantastic movie, mm-hmm. and the twist at the end too. Not going to spoil yeah, it, of course. But the that. twist at the end is crazy, heartbreaking. You never, you never saw it because you actually thought that you know. I don't want to spoil, but you actually thought that Ryan Gosling was you know, the son, and it's not. I, I thought it was crazy, and he thought it too. Right, but like in the end, this is how I look at it. Even though it's a sad ending, with the, are we going to spoil it? Ask. Uh, okay, spoil it. spoiler for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Check it out. It's a, it's a great movie. Anyway. <clears throat> Ryan Gosling, um, when he dies at the end, even though he didn't turn out to be Harrison Ford's son, like mm-hmm. like the way the way he did the look on his face, and that's what I like about it. he's such an expressive actor mm-hmm. in terms of getting like that across. And he did that with uh, First Man too when he played Neil Armstrong. But um, like you could tell that he's just still fulfilled because he finally found meaning and purpose in yeah. his life, and so he died. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Happy in that regard, so I thought that was kind of fascinating. And by not showing a lot of emotion <clears throat> uh, in the movie. You're able, like, how do I say, like, the facial expression he gives at the end, it just shows how at peace he is with everything. 100%. 100%. I just think everybody did a terrific job. Mm -hmm. There is not a one dull moment in that movie. It's it's slow, but like, it never feels boring to me. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's kind of hypnotic. Had a good cast, too. Dave Batista, Jared Leto. Batista, Jared Leto. I'm trying to think of who. Anna de Armas. She's awesome. Yeah. I guess she's going to be in some new, like uh, Marilyn Monroe movies. Yeah, like, I NC saw the seventeen. Looks yeah. interesting. So yeah, it was, it was a, that's a, an underrated cast. I will say. Yeah, too. for sure. For sure, it was cool. Mm-hmm. It was a great movie. Another movie I mentioned, Julie Andrews earlier. But the Sound of Music. You can't go wrong. I love music. that movie. Oh my gosh! You got to, you ever watch it with uh? Yeah, have you ever met Louis Delcalli's dad? Yeah. Dude, watch it. It's like one of his favorite movies. You got to watch it with him. It's, it's an really? experience. It's really? an absolute experience. He's all about it. He's it's all about such it. Such yeah. a good movie. That's a top ten movie for me. Because <clears throat> like, how could you not be in love with the plot? You have a nun. Oh, I don't know who's here. Here we are. All right, we're back. We were um kind of rudely interrupted by the Terminex guy. The gate was unlocked for him, and um, he didn't see that. Uh, but whatever, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, getting back to it, we were talking about Blade Runner a little yep. bit. And to be honest, I forget what, where we left off. Where we left we off. Were... We were talking about, uh, I think the ending where we were talking about, like, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terrific actor. 100%. Uh, um, another movie that may be in my top 10 uh, Nightcrawler with Jake Jones. Mm-hmm. Nightcrawler is really good. That. And I, I was just thinking, for whatever reason, I associated with Drive, um, mm-hmm. just the landscape that the, both movies are set in. It's L.A. in like 2011, like 2014, that mm-hmm. kind of time period. Just terrific in terms of this guy wants to – how did it even go? 
he wanted to get in with this news company. He wanted to be, you know, just advance and advance and advance. Right. He hired somebody on who eventually spoiler uh, died. Mm-hmm. The I forget that guy's name too. He's the taxi driver. Riz. Uh, Riz. Riz. Um, God damn it! Why it's gonna. It's gonna haunt you. Riz something. All right. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's kind of he's a funny. He's got a guy. He has, yeah, he's a good actor. He has like funny uh, qualities about him mm-hmm. too. Usually, in all the characters he portrays. But wow, what a film! That's good one of those stuff, films man. where like, it's not entirely predicated on like you knowing what happens. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. So like, some of those movies sometimes for me anyway, it's kind of hard to go back and watch because you already know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But still, if you talk about like a piece of art. It's crazy, crazy how like more of this guy's the Jake Gyllenhaal's characters, character that he plays, the psychotic tendencies more and more that keep being revealed to you until you realize like he's like crazy. One hundred percent. I like how subtle it is at first, mm-hmm. and then it just slowly it's starts a slow to burn. Absolutely. And it you you start to see slowly like he'll do anything that it takes to succeed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even let his partner die. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, man. I, I need to watch it because I, there's so much about it I forget. I've only seen it once. Me too. But um, I, I definitely need to go back. And see oh, it. my God. Kind of similar to American Psycho, like in terms mm-hmm. of like a similar vein to that. But um, you know, definitely one I got to go back to for sure. That's another. I don't know if American Psycho's top mm-hmm. 10. I just watched a couple months ago for the first time. Ever. Oh, yeah? What would you think? Well, it's one of those movies where kind of like Inception. Like, yeah. did it happen or did it not? Because the ending. Who knows, man? Who knows? I don't know because – he said all these things, right? All these things were in his mind. Mm-hmm. He killed, I don't even know what the character was, in the one specific apartment. And then all of a sudden, he walks in. It's being for sale. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's fine. Nothing happened. It's, I think it was all in his head. I think so, too, to tell you the truth. It's it's fascinating because, like, in the context of the movie, I think that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. The book, though, from what I understand, that's not how it ends. Like, it, Really? Yeah, they don't even, like, necessarily – mentioned that too much so i it was huh. it was fascinating in terms of like the contrast and i think wow. there was a lot of controversy about that at the time like the writer of the book brett easton ellis was a little unsatisfied with how like the movie adaptation was from what i read i don't yeah. necessarily know well the book and the movie true. there's always some even if it's a slight subtle difference for sure there's always some difference for sure for sure yeah bro it's crazy another one of my favorite movies all time mm-hmm. whatever and it's kind of like same thing like you were saying like the crime movies is The Departed. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love The Departed. It's up there for sure. It's that it's that classic thing of, like, two sides. Mm-hmm. You have the two people that are undercover. So Mark Wahlberg's character. No, not Mark Wahlberg. Leo. Um, yeah. Sorry. You're good. You're good. It's the same. Yeah. But anyway, DiCaprio goes undercover. He works for um, this gangster crime organization. He tries to infiltrate the cops and eventually succeeds mm-hmm. and then you have the other character correct me if i'm wrong matt damon matt, da- matt damon's basically the bad guy yeah okay yeah. yeah so he's also switched and it's just crazy because like these two people that are on both sides infiltrating uh both organizations it's like they become friends yeah yeah and it's crazy mm-hmm. um ending very bloody very bloody um the one guy that does survive mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. it's just and the ending fantastic so ending so good you couldn't have found a perfect more perfect ending in my opinion all-star Just, cast as well all-star cast i mean who else you got in there you got mark alec baldwin alec baldwin freed the accident yeah um, uh, my gosh i don't even know how to do that. that's such an offshoot but like i don't even know like where to start with that like if it was if he should be the player i'm not really that well versed in the did you hear what tim dylan said uh no but i saw he was on his podcast tim dylan was like yeah a couple people have been saying uh 
I think he did it. I, I think he just wanted to know what it was to take a life. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> We'll talk about fam- the comedians. He's, for me, and I yeah. we talked about this before, but I mm-hmm. want to get to this again. Tim is my favorite. Tim, he's up there for me, too, man. I, I'd say probably out of modern comedians, he's definitely my favorite. For mm-hmm. sure. Sam Kinison's probably my favorite classic. Really? Yeah, yeah, I love this. I, I haven't watched any of his specials, but I listened to because it was on the Joe Rogan mm-hmm. experience. He was he played a <clears throat> YouTube clip of it the last time because he was a preacher, mm-hmm. and the last uh, speech that he gave when he was a preacher, or whatever, passionate like this guy, blood, sweat, and tears. He's pouring everything into this. Like, yeah, right hand to God. Like you could tell, like this guy was really into it. And then mm-hmm. four years later, he's selling arenas. Insane, insane. Like how I wonder how you could from that. Life to that life. I don't get it. What do you think switched him? Well, from my understanding, Joe uh, Joe talked about on the podcast. I guess Sam, as a kid, got hit by a car, Mm. and like the head trauma from that cause, like he, I guess, from according to his brother, like was such a different person that, like, I don't know if that had something to do with that, just sort of like causing that switch to become a performer. But like, um, I don't know. That's a good question. I I feel like oftentimes maybe if like you're if you're raised heavily in like a faith like that i think what was he baptist or something like that something uh, like that may, yeah. i feel like maybe you might have evangelical, or, or like evangelical. That, yeah. you might have the urge to like see what the outside world yeah. really is yeah so i feel like maybe that had something to do with it maybe mm-hmm. it felt like there was a lack of fulfillment or something like that i don't know but there's probably he probably talked about it somewhere i have to watch one of his specials or all of them mm-hmm. oh my gosh he's looked at as one of the greatest comedians oh, to ever live roseanne barr same thing got hit roseanne. by a car and apparently she was never the same right right, right. so and i've never really seen any person yeah if i anything like that so. once again stuff joe rogan talking exactly about. exactly so but it, it's crazy bro mm-hmm. i also wanted to um dive deep into a topic that i've been thinking about a lot yeah uh, right. so basically comedy movies mm-hmm. right the golden era for comedy movies to me mid 90s to about 2015, 2014. That's fair. That's, fair. That's the period where, like, because, like, the 80s, it was a lot of cookie-cutter stuff. You yeah. Know what I mean, they went by the book. They didn't really go edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the language, uh, you have movies like uh, Back to the Future, for example, mm-hmm. where, like, it's PG, but, like, there's a lot of language that you wouldn't think now. It'd right, be, like, right, probably yeah. PG-13, but, like, the subject matter, the jokes that they made, it was really, like, kind of, like, by the book. There wasn't anything edgy. Mm-hmm. And then you had the 90s that came about, and they kind of, like, kind of changed like how everything was in terms of like what you could say mm-hmm. um people push the boundaries a little bit more with that art i would say for sure for sure um and then you have the 2000s which i feel like that's in that era that's the the best era um when it comes to like 10 year intervals mm-hmm. of comedy movies you have movies like wedding crashers so oh my so gosh good. that's a classic absolutely super bad super bad all those seth rogan ones oh my you see knocked gosh. up I haven't. Knocked up. I should. Yeah, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's not Seth Rogen, but Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, all the Adam Sandler movies. All the Adam Sandler I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. You're telling me you could do that today? Uh, no chance. No, I've never seen it, but like, oh. I'm assuming there's no chance, bro, mm. probably. So. Basically what it is is you have uh, Adam Sandler and you have Kevin James. Uh, Kevin James is a firefighter, and Adam Sandler, to be honest, I forget what he does, but he – his uh, Kevin James's character in the movie, his wife died. Yeah, and he has two kids mm-hmm. that he's left with, and the one kid is a little sus. Yeah, and they kind of make jokes towards that in the movie, but Kevin James always defends the kid, whatever. Right. Well, in the movie, he needs money mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and I hope I'm not butchering this. And um, 
he decides to fake a marriage with Adam Sandler's character for the money. That's his step. For the money that they would get, whatever taxes, however that would yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just this whole thing. And mm-hmm. then it's found out that Kevin James's character isn't actually gay. Mm-hmm. And Adam Sandler, the same thing. Only he is falling in love with the girl while he's pretending to be gay in the movie. And it's just like this whole thing. And at the end, the end is the funniest because there's like all these like jokes and it's all mm-hmm. meant in good humor and good fun and they spit they don't spin it like this but like it's kind of meant to like for the audience to see like what being gay is like if that makes sense interesting and like you know there'd be adam sandler and kevin james's characters both were called like a homophobic slurs and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i feel like the overall point of the movie is like people are people yeah uh there's no reason to judge other people for like what their situation is or who they are. And I feel like that was the overall tone of the movie. I look back at the reviews and a lot of people did not feel the same as me, of course. Um, But I feel like back then, at least you could get away with that. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like because Twitter is such a prevalent thing, social media is such a prevalent thing. More people have voices now than they ever did before, which could be good or bad. But more people's opinions are out there, which means more corporate interests are uh, going to be, uh, you know, Catering to the people's needs or wants, obviously, because they give them their money. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a silent majority out there that don't really care, but it's like the loud people on Twitter that um, these companies cater to now. So I feel like in that regard, it's kind of a shame because I feel like a comedy genre, it's a, it's a pretty important art form in my opinion. 100%. You know, I can understand both sides because I mean, yeah. obviously comedy is important. I feel like, you know, there, we need to laugh. We, we all need to laugh at each other in order to come Yeah. Together. At the same time, I could understand why people may find stuff problematic. You yeah. know what I mean? But oftentimes, I feel like there's definitely extremes on both sides. Definitely. Like where, you know, there's definitely problems with that too. So, honestly, it's just – I don't even know how, like, you'd solve that in the future or whatever. It's just a matter I, of – Yeah, I don't know. I look back because mm-hmm. this kind of means a lot to me. I don't know. I, I mm-hmm. just really like comedy movies, and I feel like now we're kind of – it's a weird point that we are at in society. Right. So, I, I look back to see, like, which what's the last film – that kind of pushed the boundaries like mm-hmm. this. And for me, it came to Zoolander 2. Zoolander 2. I've never seen In Zoolander 2016. 2. Okay. Uh, they make a trans joke about... Um, I forget the actor that he played. But anyway, he doesn't have any eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And they it was like, oh, is that a girl or a boy? Like a, a female or she... Whatever. Gotcha. Simple simple thing mm-hmm. um but it was in the trailer mm. it was benedict cumberbatch's character it had no eyebrows it was, oh, okay, it's, okay zoolander's like a fashion zoolander the first one is another comedy right movie. right uh but the trans joke was in there and that was in 2016 so it wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. but you know six years later if you would have something like that in a trailer there'd be a lot of probably wouldn't fly yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's crazy how fast the culture has shifted into this hyper sensitive state that they're all in i feel like you know it is interesting in that regard you know i do think that you know that uh, you know the idea of us becoming you know more progressive in terms mm-hmm. of what we watch i think that could both be a good thing and a bad thing depending mm-hmm. on how you look at it in the certain situations um you know oftentimes i i do feel like you know jokes are often meant for, to be for the sake of jokes and oftentimes mm-hmm. people take something out of context and run with it in terms of to make it you know uh more controversial than it is yeah with that being said, I could also understand, you know, something like, you know, Sam Kinison, even though he's one of my favorite comedians, he dropped the, you know, the F-bomb a lot. And not like, the, not fuck, mm-hmm. but the other one. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like that I can completely understand why people, you know, well, 
wouldn't like that because obviously yeah. that's not that's not what you do. But Andrew Dice Clay, Andrew Dice Clay too. I mean, there's a lot of stuff he would never be able to get away with what he got away no. with back then. I mean, you can't deny he's an incredible performer, oh, though. He's one of the best Ab- ever to do absolutely, it. Absolutely. He was the first guy to sell out arenas. Yeah, the Diceman comment, that's, a, that's yeah. a great special. So, Oh, my gosh. So, but like like you said, there's just, it's a dichotomy there. I just, yeah. I don't know, you know, what to do in terms of that situation. Because, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a lost word. I don't that. know. Yeah. Where do you think that we're going towards as society? In terms of? Everything. So, uh, the culture, the art. What do you think we're getting to? Because I don't think it's anything mm. good. In terms of America or in terms of just the world? America, because I feel like we're the leaders of culture. We're well, the leaders of art when I'll, it comes to this stuff. I'll tell you what. I feel like poli- – and we don't – I don't necessarily want to get into politics. but I feel Not like- politics, but like people in general. And people in general. Because um, like for me, I feel like art is only going to continue to suffer – because for whatever reason, both sides are like trying to water it. Down. How are you? Nice to see you. How's it going? <laughs> but yeah, I feel like <clears throat> both sides, right, left, whatever you mm-hmm. are, they're kind of like just pushing it out. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. With like what they can regulate and stuff like that. And you see it from both the right or the left. <clears throat> People take offense to something um, that insults, say, the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. right? But on the other side, people take offense to something that will insult like Christianity, and, and they want to regulate it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's just – it's tough because it's – we're at the point now, and I don't necessarily know if this answers your question, but in terms of like politics and stuff like that, like we're at, we're at a point now where like you can't sit down and have a simple conversation with somebody with yeah. views that disagree with you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter which side you're talking mm-hmm. to or arguing against. It's just the way it is. I feel like we're so steadfast, like the uh, you know American culture in terms of politics. We're so steadfast in the way – we think and that we came up that we can't necessarily sway our opinions either way. So yeah. at the same time, it's a shame that we can't do it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just like, well, you know, at least you know where you stand and you just don't talk about politics. Yeah, you know? so exactly. Like, it's crazy because people, I feel like they used to unite over <clears throat> as the door opens. Like, <laughs> uh, people used to unite over the things that we're talking about right now. Art. They mm-hmm. used to bond over things like movies, music, uh, performance, comedy, stuff like that. It right. used to unite people, whereas now people focus more on their differences. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, <clears throat> that's a shame because, I mean, I feel like uh, we have become so – I feel like we've become so – isolated and selfish in terms of just like the way that you know the, the climate's going whether that be political or whatnot i just yeah. i feel like i don't know we, we just need to sit back relax and just learn to smell the roses and just yeah. take it easy and accept each other for who we are regardless of what mm-hmm. we believe what we yeah. do because i mean you know i mean uh, let's say you know it's like i have a lot of friends that i disagree with politically yeah. and i have a lot of friends that i agree with politically but that doesn't mean that you're who a cares? bad person yeah either way at the end of the day it just means that you have a different view and god damn it that's okay yeah you know what yeah, I mean? exactly that's okay i feel like once you look at it you take yourself out of like the team thing right right like what it's reminiscent to me of a lot is the brown steelers debate uh, that's a good point we live in northeast ohio mm-hmm. so you have two sides that are really about their team 100 and if the browns lose and the Browns fans, for whatever reason, are going to chirp at the Steelers fans who are chirping at that. It's back and forth. It's like toxic, whatever. Right. And I feel like that's the same thing. When you just take yourself um, you know, away from – or you like zoom out and you look at it from a different perspective, mm-hmm. like a neutral perspective, you don't find yourself getting offended by like uh, different opinions about the other side. No, you know I mean? no. Yeah. Like I said, it's not like you're going to sway somebody either way, yeah, especially if the – yeah. So if it's you're, like – If you're – you're, Goal is to convince somebody that their opinion's wrong or that your opinion's right. It's not going to work out. No, no. I feel like at the end of the day, we should approach that stuff in terms of just like, here's my side. Take, 
take with it what you will and then go yeah away, you know? so, that's all it is absolutely, absolutely. yeah bro um anything else that you well to talk about let's see. what's your social media where can everybody find social, you social media? media okay so you can find me on instagram at n hackett that's n-h-a-c-k-i-t and uh let's see where else um Snapchat, Twitter. Snapchat. My Snapchat is Gibbs2902. That's G-I-B-B-S 2902. I have a Twitter. I never use it. That's fine. Um, so there's really no point. I haven't been on it in like three years. I got you. Um, abstinence. The abstinence. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Yeah. That's the key. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that's pretty much it. I'd say letterbox. It's a Hackett N-H-A-C-K-I-T, a capital N at the end of it. So I got you. And where sure. can anybody find like your stand-up? Um, I stand-up. Uh, I'm going to post it, I think. One of these days, here I, I just got the full link to the full video from my comedy professor. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, probably on YouTube. One of these days, I'll probably put a link through my Instagram or something like that, so it'll be easy to find for sure. Great, man. Yes, well, sir. I love having you. Dude, I love. Awesome. I love being on. It was an absolute pleasure. So, thank you awesome, so much man. for everything. You'll be welcome back with open arms. Oh, dude, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. All right, everybody. Um, once again, subscribe to the show. Mm-hmm. Give it a like. Give me a good comment or a bad comment. You know, if you have blue hair, I don't care. I want you to comment on my video. Um, Yeah, enjoy.